With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. podcast and I'm calling something different every single week. That is what I'm calling it this week. I am Matt Collins. I am with Jake Devereaux once again. Uh, we are with you every Wednesday morning. Uh, Jake, how has your week been since we last spoke? Uh, pretty solid. Um, nothing really new to report. It seems like uh, every day is Groundhog Day during uh, COVID. So it's like you know, nothing new to report. Um, I'm just happy the Red Sox are winning some games now um, instead of losing all of the games. Some games, I think, is the key point there. They did finally win a series. Um, it was the only series this year that I didn't really cover because I took the weekend off. So there's probably some correlation there. But unfortunately, I am going to continue to cover games. So that little good luck streak is not going to last very long. Um, but we are going to start with something that right now would not affect the Red Sox. That would be the postseason, uh, despite the fact that they have expanded to 16 teams in the playoffs this year. The Red Sox are not a part of it if they started today. Um, I don't. Last I looked at the Fangraphs uh, playoff odds, they were at like 34%. And I believe that was before yesterday's game, so they're probably a little bit lower than that now, so not looking great. But either way, whether they're in the playoffs or not, MLB. Um, is talking about making a postseason bubble um, more like the NHL than the NBA. Uh, the NBA, for anyone who doesn't follow other sports, um, NBA is all in one place. They're in Orlando um, at Disney. NHL is in two separate locations. The Eastern Conference is in Toronto. The West is in Edmonton. Uh, so MLB, there's no real specifics right now. These are very, very preliminary conversations, but the early sort of plan or something close to a plan seems to be that they are going to start with three bubbles for the first round. Um, That first round is a best of three um, with all 16 teams and then division round being two sites and then the LCSs in the World Series I believe being at one site. I might have that wrong. I'm very confused by this report. But it's going to go three, two, one. What was that? Yeah, I read the LCS could be at potentially two locations. So, like, they might have the National League Championship Series at Dodger Stadium and, like, the ALCS at Angel Stadium. So, like, close to each other, sort yeah, of in that's the same, the same bubble, but, like... You yeah, know. it seems like... I think that's the same bubble, though, because they're okay. talking about, like, Southern California. It's not really a bubble. I think we're getting... I think as a society, we're getting a little loosey-goosey with the term bubble here but uh because he was talking this is from jeff passan i don't know if i mentioned that or not but uh passan was mentioning that there was an idea of like a southern california bubble where there would be he said the Dodgers and the angels and also the padres stadium being used 
Hmm. Um, Chicago area where you have the Cubs and the White Sox, and then also using the Brewers um, in Milwaukee, which is fairly close. Um, and then New York would be Yankees and Mets and also the Phillies. Um, doesn't really seem like a bubble to me, but I guess it's a <laughs> little better than like if you have, I like for like maybe the A's and the Yankees playing each other, I guess you're not traveling across the country, which is nice, but I don't know. We're avoiding Florida and uh, Arizona, so that's that makes Seems, it a bubble enough for me. Sure, but I mean, I don't, I don't think um, last I checked, Southern California wasn't really doing great. Either. No, <laughs> so I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, like I said, it's better than traveling across the country. I guess and you're not going on any flights there. I guess you can take buses um, for all those places, so that's a little better. I don't know, um, but I mean, I think. We've talked a little bit about the bubble, um, the entire idea of a bubble with um, MLB before. I've already said I never thought that it would have worked for a regular season, but as far as the playoffs go, I mean, I think this is a no-brainer, especially with, um, I mean, that's going to be October. That's flu season, so everybody's been saying this whole situation could get a lot worse of flu season. So I'm glad they're actually being a little more proactive because the way things are going, I would have expected these conversations to be happening like halfway through September. Yeah, um, I'm glad that they're being proactive about it too. And I think that maybe they're waking up to the fact that these bubble things actually do seem to work um, because the NBA and the NHL haven't had the same issues. And, you know, they they don't want a situation where the World Series is going to be decided by the team that has the least cases of COVID. And... That's a very real possibility if they don't do something like this. So I'm fully in support of it. I was kind of hoping that they would do these regional bubbles for the entire year. And I know we talked about that before, so I won't rehash it. Um, But I'm just happy that they're trending in this direction. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of has to be done for the postseason, like you were saying. And it's not even like, I don't even know that it's the least amount of cases. But even if it's just like one star, like you, if you're missing a star in the regular season, um, you can kind of get by that, but like if the Yankees can make it to the game, it's like game four of the LCS or whatever. Garrett Cole is about to make a second start, and all of a sudden he tests positive and he has to sit out the rest of the time. I mean, that's a disaster for MLB. Um, obviously, a disaster for Garrett Cole too. But I mean, it's just one guy can kind of change things, especially starting pitcher um, in the postseason. So, yeah, I mean, I think like you said, we already talked about the bubble with the regular season. We don't need to go over that, but just when you get down to like these this few teams. It just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, totally. But, like I said, um, Red Sox, not really in that picture right now, so we won't focus too much on looking to the postseason. Third Uh, worst record in baseball, actually, right now. Third worst record in baseball right now. That is um, Behind the Pirates and the Angels. Well, I mean, you're not wrong, but also the Cardinals have played like three games. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. I kind of, I don't know. I don't even know what to do with them. <laughs> Either way, it's not. They're two and three. That is ridiculous. Um, I can't get over the fact that the Cardinals just aren't playing baseball and the league is just, like, acting like it's okay. Um, anyways, this is not a Cardinals podcast. Uh, we did get some news on the roster. I know you and Keaton talked about it a little bit yesterday. I wanted to go a little bit more in-depth on it. Uh, Brian Johnson asked the team for his release. Uh, he did not make the opening day roster, which was a little bit of a surprise. I think, I know I had him on the opening day roster. Did you? I did not. Okay. Um, but he was generally thought of, if not making the opening day roster, being fairly high up on getting a chance. Um, obviously that chance never came. He never made it up to the majors this year. And so he asked for his release. Uh, fair. I mean, I think that's fair, right? Do you? Yeah, totally. Um, I I think when you're so buried on the depth chart that when they send a guy down, they call up Dylan Covey instead of you. Like, you probably need to move to a different team. Yeah, I'm worried there was. I mean, Ryan Weber's getting a few starts. Dylan Covey's getting called up for the second time. Jeffrey Springs is pitching for four innings at a time, and they're not even giving you a chance. He's Um, not worse than those guys. No, and it, I mean, I think it comes. All, I think it all comes down in their eyes to the fact that he doesn't have minor league options, which I mean, I guess. But like, are there really like you really can't find anybody to designate their assignment if you need 
like to get him on the roster and then like is it really that complicated this roster is not that talented to yeah find give me three minutes i'll find a spot yeah exactly <laughs> it, this is not that complicated so yeah i mean i'm i'm with him um but the red sox did not have to do this i mean they could have they need all the pitching depth they can get so i mean there is an argument to be made that they could have just been like you know what i'm sorry but life's tough get a helmet you gotta wait um so i mean i i guess i'm assuming you would agree that good on the team for doing it but they definitely didn't have to yeah oh totally um yeah they're giving up depth i, th- I think what this says more is that Heim Bloom has already made his decision on what Brian Johnson is and what he means to the organization moving forward, and he'd much rather see what you know higher velocity pitchers who are a little bit more interesting, like Dylan Covey, uh, look like, and try and scout out some pieces maybe for the future of the major league bullpen. I don't think there are any illusions that the guys who they're going to call up uh, in in place of Brian Johnson, you know, guys who are here instead are like big time rotation pieces i think this is all just scouting for the major league bullpen in the future yeah that sounds about right and i think there's a little probably very very minor but somewhat of a um kind of periphery benefit here of just kind of fringe guys around the league seeing this and being like well they're not going to be like hard asses about like if I want a better opportunity somewhere else, they'll actually let me go. Um, so, that, so, I mean, that's like a reputation thing that could pay off down the road. I don't think that's like a major factor there, but I guess it doesn't hurt. Um, but, I mean, I guess we kind of touched on it a little bit. I don't really understand how he didn't get a shot this year. Um, I'm not under any illusion that Brian Johnson would have been any significant upgrade over anybody else that they've thrown out there, but just the amount of bad pitchers that have pitched for the Red Sox this year I really can't even if you like even if, like you're saying you're behind Bloom and you really don't think he's part of the plan I still just I can't think of a good reason why he never got a shot this year yeah I, I think it I, I think on talent alone uh, he should have gotten a shot um, because I think he could have filled the innings in a more effective way than a lot of those guys but the bottom line is I think that they just valued those innings as a tryout more than they valued having marginally better innings. Yeah, I hate that. I mean, I think you're probably right, but, man, I mean, it would be nice if they were trying this year. (laughs) Every game I watch, it's like, they don't even care. No, I mean, last night is Last night was, put me over the edge. Yeah. (laughs) We're recording on Tuesday before Tuesday's game, so we're talking about Monday's game when Jeffrey Springs went out there for... Was that his third or fourth inning? I don't even remember. I don't know, but Jeffrey Springs is a guy that I'm still he actually flabbergasted is on the roster. <laughs> he's not. He got optioned like 30 seconds before you hit record. Okay. Uh, so Robert Stock <laughs> just came up for him. Okay, because I never want to see Jeffrey Springs. <laughs> oh, you will see him again. I am Of that, I am sure. They love Jeffrey Springs. It makes um, no sense. He actually looked, I thought he looked okay before that last inning um, yesterday. Like he was not, I mean, not great, but we're we're talking about um, in relative to the pitchers that the Red Sox have been sending out there this year, which is not a very high bar. We but need to I put thought, some YouTube clips in front of you, man. You need to start like looking back at what real pitchers look like. <laughs> I, I can't. I don't think I'm ever going to recover from <laughs> what I've been watching this season. Um, but I think the big thing with Brian Johnson for me, he's he had been here forever. He was. I don't know exactly where he was, but he was like around the fourth or fifth longest tenured player on the roster um, in the organization at that point. I think he was fourth. I think, unless you count Dustin Pedroia. Yeah, if you don't count Pedroia, um, I believe Workman it's just has been longer than him. Yeah, I believe it's Vasquez, Bradley, Workman. Bogarts, um, Barnes. Barnes was part of that 2011 draft, right? I think that's it. When did Vasquez get drafted? 2008. Vasquez has been around forever. Yeah. So, so Vasquez is the longest tenured guy, right? Yes. Because Bogey was an international signee in 2010. 
Bogarts was 2009. December of 2009, though, right? Uh, I'm on Sox yeah. Prospects. It's saying August 2009. Oh, okay. Um, all right, I must be looking at something else. Um, yeah, so I, I think the Brian Johnson thing, more interesting than Brian Johnson and him being here forever is um, – Alex Spears article about this that you put in the agenda here that we haven't brought up yet, but um, just him talking about the Red Sox failure of identifying high-end major league talent and the guys who they thought about drafting but passed on. And I, I take that with a grain of salt because their scouts are seeing so many people and talking about drafting so many people. So like yeah, for sure. you can probably say that about anybody. But, like, just looking at Brian Johnson's class alone, Devin Marrero, Brian Johnson, Pat Light, Jamie Callahan, Austin Maddox, Ty Buttry as your top picks, I mean, that is the problem with the Red Sox organization in general is just they've been garbage in the draft at talent evaluation um, compared to a lot of other organizations lately. And this is a very lately problem uh, for the Red Sox, meaning, like, in the last... 10 years and they've still had some huge hits on the international market and a, and a couple hits like Ben and and stuff like that um, ish I guess with this season but uh, the the fact that he put in that article about they haven't had a homegrown starter who's made more than 20 major league starts since 2007 um, that was really shocking to me I mean it's it's shocking on its face but I mean thinking about it for even just like 30 seconds it's like yeah i don't i don't know who else it would be yeah i i totally agree it's 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 so bad it's so bad um and i do think that it is more the talent evaluation piece of this um they're just not signing guys that end up even with other teams like frankie montas is a guy they signed for like seventy five thousand bucks i think in the same draft class as or uh international signing period as Xander Bogarts, and like he turned into something, but they traded him. They traded I think him bef- very early on, right? Like he didn't they even traded him reach. Twenty thirteen. Okay, so I don't. I don't even know if he played outside of the Red Sox DSL teams. I think he uh, did a little bit, but not not too much. But like those types of guys, the the point that I'm trying to make here is just that Red Sox aren't doing a terrible job of developing guys. They're just not getting the right people in my yeah. opinion, for pitchers. I think that's... I think that's right. Um, I just... I mean, I think the boring answer is probably the right one, which is that it's probably some sort of combination of the two, um, which, I mean, I feel like that's obvious, and I always hate saying something like that. But yeah, if I had to put the weight on one side or the other, I would probably say it is identifying talent. I will say, I don't know if I'm just like hoping too much or if I'm just getting sucked in, um, or if I'm just, like, getting Stockholm Syndrome or something. I do feel a little bit better about the guys that they have coming up now. Me too. Um, I mean, I'm a big Noah Song guy. I think there's an argument. If Noah Song was playing, and this was, like, a normal minor league season and things, and he was in the system and on the military and all that, I would ha- I would very... That would give a lot of thought to having him as the number one prospect in the system. Um, I think he's a stud. I like Brian Mata. I don't love him as much as other people, but I like the stuff. Um, I'm coming around on the Jay Groom idea. I love Thad Ward. I don't think Tanner Houck's a starter, but I think he's going to be a very good reliever. Um, Chris Murphy excites me. Ryan Zephyrshawn excites me. I mean, I'm excited by the guys they've drafted, so I think this is going to be sort of like the next three-ish years. I'm really interested to see what happens because I think – if they if these guys don't work out, then I'm really questioning everything they have pitching development wise. I agree, um, and those guys have all made such strides. Maybe with the, with the exception of Groom, since they Groom were, hasn't really had a chance. Yeah, right. S- since they were drafted, I mean, especially guys like Chris Murphy, who it looked pretty average when he was coming into the system, and now looks pretty damn Ward good. Too. Yeah, Ward I as would, well. I would argue Ward made the bigger jump, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and but you, you just look back at some of these drafts, and I'm looking at 2013 right now. 
Trey Ball and Teddy Stankiewicz at the top. I mean, you you can't Teddy draft Stank. guys like that, you know. Um, and it's it's not just years like that. I think the one exception that you can make uh, in terms of pitcher that they drafted who has just an immense ceiling and who has kind of lived up to that billing is Michael Kopech, who they yeah, took sure. in in, a, in the first round. I think he was first-round supplemental pick uh, in 2014. Um, but he's really the only one that they've drafted Logan in Allen, like the top late. five. Well, Logan Allen's a little bit later than that, but he was he was a big bonus guy. Was Logan um, Allen a ninth round big bonus? Eighth round, but yeah, eighth he got, his, bonus, he got yeah. the third biggest bonus of that draft. Of yeah. that draft class. So I mean, he was basically he was paid like a second uh, or a third round pick. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I would agree that right now I think it is identifying talent, but. Um, just to close this out before we move on to perhaps the next Brian Johnson, um, I do just want to give two shout-outs to Brian Johnson. One, um, if you go, if you read Over the Monster, you've known over the years there's only one picture that I use when I write about Brian Johnson. might be my favorite picture of any Red Sox player of the last like three years, just Brian Johnson making a goofy face. So I am very upset that I'm ever going to be able to use that picture again. Rest in peace to that picture. But also, um, Brian Johnson was a big, big part of 2018. So for all of the things we can say about his lack of talent, and I would agree with you that he's probably not part of this, the future of this franchise, I wouldn't have been, and I don't really have high hopes for his future. Um, the I mean, the swingman role, he was electric. Or not electric, sorry, not the right use to work for Brian Johnson, <laughs> but he was outstanding in that role. I mean, he, yeah. 13 starts, 25 uh, relief appearances, finished 10 of, ten games in those relief appearances, uh, 106 ERA+. plus. I mean, he just did whatever they needed through 99 innings. Um, so he didn't pitch in the playoffs. He didn't. That's not really what his role was, but they didn't win 108 games without Brian Johnson, so... Um, for, and plus, I mean, his minor league career was an absolute roller coaster. I mean, the guy had um, obstacle after obstacle in his way, uh, from anxiety to getting mugged to injuries. Um, yep. I mean, so I'll always, I, I'll, I'll always very much like Brian Johnson, even if uh, I'm not the biggest believer in the town. Yeah, he seems like a solid human. Yeah. So, like I said, the next uh, Brian Johnson may be coming up soon. That would be Kyle Hart. Um, another kind of more crafty than stuff lefty coming up through the system. Um, he is expected, I would say, at this point to get the start on Thursday. Nobody's actually said anything, but every beat writer is like, ooh, it's, uh, Kyle Hart might be the guy to get the start on Thursday. And it's like, you're not all saying that unless you know that he's getting the start. Like, what do you, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we always have to like talk around it, but clearly I would say there's like a 99% chance Kyle's, Kyle Hart's getting that. He's uh, already start. registered for it on Fangraph's depth charts right now. It's like yeah, the I mean, least well-kept we secret. Yeah, yeah I, it's a very <laughs> strange phenomenon that always happens, but um, whatever they got to do. But So Kyle Hart, it, it, I, like, probably starting on Thursday, series finale against Tampa, um, so first obvious question, uh, should he, should he be getting the start? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's time for Kyle Hart. Um, we were talking about this last week, you know, when yeah, are, week. when are they going to give Kyle Hart a chance? When are they going to give other guys Tanner Houck? Um, but you know, we figured that it would be Kyle Hart would be the first one, um, to get this opportunity. Um, he's a 19th round selection, uh, in the 2016 draft. So he's a cool story in that. Uh, he was able to develop here. He was you know, drafted out of Indiana without looking. Matt, do you know how much his bonus was? Uh, I'm looking. No, <laughs> so, I'm on. I'm on his Sox prospects page. So it was five thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. Five thousand dollars. That's so cool that a guy on a five thousand dollar bonus, you know, nineteenth rounder, not expecting anything, um, makes it to the big leagues, and it's. Kyle Hart is why it sucked that the Major League draft this year was five, five rounds, you know, because guys like this happen every once in a while, and maybe he doesn't have a long big league career, but, you know, he still made it. Um, and I'm psyched to see him because I think that uh, he can be like Brian Johnson was uh, when he was up here and good. I think he can, he can be like 2018 Brian Johnson if everything 
goes right for him. Um, I don't see why not. I don't think this stuff is great, but I think it's better than what we were seeing from Weber and what we've seen from Covey and guys like that. He seems to have an idea of what to do when he's up there. When yeah, he's, when he's pitching. Yeah, he he's a fun watch. I've seen him um, a bunch. He was in Portland for a couple of years, so I've seen him. I don't know three or four times. Um, he's if you kind of get sick of just like high velocity guys just like throwing heat, which sometimes I do, although I do love a big fastball. Um, but he's just, I mean, he's like the classic command control guy. He will throw on the edges. If he's not thrown on the edges, it's probably going to be an issue. But um, yeah, very, very good understanding of the strike zone. Uh, throws all of his pitches fairly well. There's no like, you're not going to see any of his pitches and be like, whoa, that is an amazing pitch. But they're all pretty solid and he'll throw them all the time. Um, so he's very Brian Johnson-esque. Um, and I believe, I believe he was teammate with um, Grapefruit League Mike Trout, Sam Travis in college. Um, mm. A couple of Hoosiers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to get back to the original question, I don't think I don't think there was really any other option at this point. I mean, if they had called up like Chris Mazza or Matt Hall again, or like Mike Kickham or Robinson Lyre or whoever else, um, I, I would have blown a gasket. I just I can't watch these guys anymore. So uh, yeah, I mean, you don't I think like Kyle the bullpen. Hart, what's that? You don't like the bullpen game constantly. I uh, I wouldn't mind a bullpen game if they were good. <laughs> relievers like if they were yeah. throwing out guys that were good for two or two innings at a time i'd be fine with it i'm not like i'm not against the concept i'm against the execution with this roster yeah. it's my main issue um but yeah so I, I i think i think it definitely makes sense so what expectations first short term right away uh what do you what are you expecting from him this first start um, like four to five innings of maybe three or four earned runs and middling K rates. You know, I just I want to see him come up and not get blown up and not hurt himself with walks. Um, and he's a guy who usually doesn't hurt himself with walks. He usually has pretty good uh, command. Um, when he was at Portland in 2019, he had a 101 whip. Um, with Pawtucket, it was 127, um, and and a lot of that is hits more than it is walks. So, um, I I guess I'm just looking for a guy who's gonna look like he belongs and not hurt himself and give the team enough time to um, you know stay in the game. Um, I'm not expecting a ton, but I do like that his Twitter handle is the Heart Attack Kid. Yeah, very good, very good Twitter handle. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm pretty much with you. I just looking for him to keep the team in the game um and really i think what i'm most interested in is the pitch count um i really want to see a guy that's attacking the strike zone and not um not biting around too much because i mean that's especially against a team like the rays you're going to be throwing 25 30 pitches every inning and at that point he's only going three maybe so um i'm looking mainly at inning by inning pitch count with him i would like to see him in the 15 to 20 range every inning um i don't know what will happen on those pitches but if he's doing that then i will i think i will end up being happy with the result um you think you think he sticks in the rotation do you think he's a starter for the rest of the year Mm, i don't know (laughs) um I guess if I was to bet on it, I would bet that he's not a starter for the rest of the year. Um, but I think he can have some stretches and maybe go up and down a couple or times. I guess I, I'll put it this way, because, yeah, start of the rest of the year probably means he gets every turn. Yeah. Think, do you think he'll more turns will include him or not include him the rest of the way? Uh, i say slightly more include him than don't. I think I'm a little more optimistic, um, which I think is more based on being pessimistic about everybody else. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think, like, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he gets sent down after this one and then gets called up fairly quickly after that and then goes the rest of the way. Um, so, I mean, I think, and this is totally guessing, I'm not really basing this on too much, but I would guess that he'll be in like 75% of the turns the rest of the way. That'd yeah, just be wishful thinking. The only thing that um, that makes me a little skeptical of that is just that they might want to see other players. I just don't That's know what it. else there is to see. Other than Tanner Houck, and I don't yeah, know that they Houck. really need to rush and they have like they have spots for both of them, let's be honest. They did a bullpen game uh, yesterday. They're going with Zach Oddly, who has been solid, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think they can find room if they need to. Yeah, and I think there's a non-zero chance that Jay Groom makes a start Oh, before the end of the year. I would be totally shocked by that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's he's getting old. You know, he's 22 now. He's He doesn't have long. I mean, he's going to be protected uh, in Rule 5, so... Yeah, I mean, that's, I, they that, gotta would see the reason, that would be the reason to do it. I just, I don't know. Maybe. I just would be totally shocked. That would be the most interesting thing, because his stuff still at times can be just oh, filthy. I mean, every spring training, when he's healthy, there are reports from everybody that's like, oh, Jake Graham looks incredible. It's just the health. It has like, The stuff has never really been... I know his performance hasn't really been great on the mound, but I think that's been more about not being able to get into a groove than anything to do with the stuff. Yeah. I think I I would just love to see, I would love to see him get 20 starts in a row and just see what happens. Just let him get into a rhythm because his career has just been sad to this point. I just don't see what the downside is to that. You know, just let him do it. I don't know him well enough to know what the, um, I mean, I think confidence is an issue. He goes out there and he gets shelled. Some guys, it's fine. Some guys, it's like, well, that's a big deal. Yeah. Plus, who knows what the 40-man roster looks like at that point. Yeah. I'm sure they'll still be able to find something. Maybe by some miracle, there will be guys that are like, you can't let go. I don't know. Um, So, before we get into the right side of the infield, or before we get to the questions, I want to talk about the right side of the infield. I can't talk today. Um, it is like 100 degrees in my apartment, so half fainting as we record this. Um, <laughs> I think the right side of the infield is the most interesting part of the position player portion of the roster. I think it had been before the season. I still think it is. Um, and I think Jose Peraza's playing time needs to chill out. Um, I guess I understand why they gave him sort of an everyday role to start the year. I wouldn't have done it. There are reasons to like Peraza. They're just not reasons that I would generally uh, fall into or fall in love with. Um, But he's been playing basically every day. And I'm done with it. How about you? Yeah, I've seen enough. Um, he, He can't do anything with the bat. His... His WRC plus right now is 62, which is exactly what he ended the year with last year um, with the Reds when he was very bad. I mean, he was worth negative uh, 0.6 war last year. Uh, he's not good, and his defensive rating has even took a hit this year. So I don't know, man. I I don't see what Renicky loves about this guy. Everything I don't think it's identically. I think this is an organization thing. 
Yeah, and I was talking to Keaton about this a little bit on Monday and talking about why Michael Chavis isn't getting um, more time there. And I think that he will, especially if Chavis continues to improve and he has improved a little bit over the last week where maybe Chavis has just been opportunistic with pitches that we know he can already hit. Um, Nonetheless, I mean, that's more than what Peraza is doing at this point, but they still need to make a decision with Peraza whether or not they're going to pick up um, his two options that are coming up. Um, he has a third and fourth option year, 2021 and 22. so they're still trying to make a decision on whether or not he's part of the plans in the future too. Yeah, I mean, I think you can make that make those decisions without just handing him an everyday role. Um, I mean, he's, I'm, I'm not saying, I mean, I've seen people say designate him I'm not at that point yet um but yeah I I just I don't know why he's not playing every day even if you don't I'm not convinced that they love Michael Chavis at second base I know shifting makes it easier I know he's played there before I'm mostly fine with it although it doesn't throw me either um but I mean I think Jonathan Arouse weirdly enough has been crazy impressive um even I mean he hasn't been really hitting he got his first major league hit yesterday but he's made some hard contact in games before that that just haven't really found the right holes um i thought he's looked pretty good in the field and for a kid that's um he just turned 22 like less than a week ago or maybe a week ago um he barely has played above high a before the season i wouldn't mind giving him i mean if you're talking about this season seems to mean nothing to them if you're talking about getting guys ready to the future you're talking about giving jay groom a start late in the year uh, I wouldn't. Be, I wouldn't hate giving Jonathan Arouse a few more starts, a couple starts a week, and just let him see what he can do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the biggest thing with him is just that he's a zero at the plate right now. Um, but you couple can't really make yesterday. an argument. What's that? A couple of big hits yesterday, and he got robbed. And uh, Michael Chavis flipped off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kevin he did. Kimai, which kind of ruled. He, he did he was on TV for a second. <laughs> I guess I just don't have any confidence in him putting up even a better line than like the crap that Peraza is doing right now, but I do think the defense is better, um, and I, I find him to be a more exciting player overall, so yeah, I'd definitely be fine have more with that. Fun. I definitely have more fun watching him, which is weird because Peraza is like the kind of player that I love. Um, he's a little guy um, who's got some speed. He lost some of that speed last year, but it's mostly come back this year. He's pretty much running like he used to. Um, but I, I wrote about this uh, today on Tuesday that he's just he's trying to be like this new age launch angle guy, and instead of hitting for power, he's just hitting pop ups. And I would just I would really love to see Peraza just go back to spraying ground balls and line drives all over the field. I don't necessarily think it would work. I mean, we've seen him be good doing that he's had a couple years where he's been like a two-win player uh, but he's also had a couple years where he's been below replacement level but i just if he i would have fun at least have fun watching peraza if he was just spraying line drives and ground balls over the field and trying to beat them out instead of just popping everything up <laughs> yeah i agree that uh worked pretty well for baseball players for like a hundred years so yeah i know. mean some players i mean not to bring up not to open up wounds but i mean brock holt kind of makes a living off that yeah Holt totally. his best he's he can do it and i mean some guys just can't hit for power you do not i think the launch angle thing i know a lot of people hate it um it unlocks stuff for some players i mean jd martinez is the most obvious guy but I mean, there are power hitters who you can sacrifice a few strikeouts because those extra base hits are so huge but if you're jose peraza or one of these smaller middle infielders who your power is just it's just not going to be there all you're doing with the launch angle is just making easy outs. And for well, a guy like Peraza, whose offensive value would seemingly come from just putting everything in play because he just never strikes out, well, when you're hitting a pop-up, you're basically striking out on fewer pitches. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with you. I don't think it makes sense for guys with that profile at all. It makes sense for the less mobile guys that can get into some power if they actually do connect. But... Um, you know, Brock Holt, though, I'll always remember for his power because that uh, that 10-minute long game at Fenway that I went to uh, <laughs> where they made the concessions like a dollar, um, Brock Holt hit the walk-off uh, 
in that one. So, you know, he's he's got some sneaky pop. Yeah, I mean, he's hit for the cycle, but... He um, saved me from eating, like, nine hot dogs that yeah, day. We, so. we talked about that. That was one of the... I was disgusted by that whole conversation. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like a hot dog at a baseball game. It's the only time I'll eat a hot dog, pretty much. But, I mean, you get into, like, Joey Chestnut territory that I just... I want no part of. Well, I only got two because the game ended so quickly. So Two is a reasonable number of hot dogs. I will not yeah, well, two hot dogs, but... No, it was more. It was I good, like but one, once you get more than two, you get a lot of hand. Holt saved me some calories that day. Just in what can't he do? <laughs> um, so last guy I want to mention in this whole second base conversation is uh, C.J. Chatham. I feel like we haven't heard a lot about C.J. Chatham, which kind of is strange to me because he seemed like right on the doorstep for. It's like back in March and then at some points during camp, but it's kind of, I mean, this whole not having a minor league, actual minor leagues kind of makes things weird, but the radio silence on Chatham in particular has been a little strange to me. Are you, would you expect to see him anytime soon? No, not really. I just don't think that he gives you anything markedly different than any of the guys that they have on their roster. Um, like, Peraza and Arouse and uh, Suwe Lin. I mean, he's he's a 300 hitter with zero power, and he can play the middle infield. Yeah, I'm more confident in his hit tool than um, any of the other three. Yeah, I I would agree with that, um, but I just don't think it's it's difference making enough to, you know, like say risk losing Jonathan Areus or um, to waive Sue Wei Lin or, you know, something like that that they might have to do in yeah, order to get him up here. That's fair. Um, Peraza does have an option. I wouldn't I wouldn't option him right now, but this continues for another two weeks, three weeks. I might just send him down. I don't think they'd yeah. do it, but I that's probably the direction I would go in. That would be the more likely thing, I think, uh, if you were going to make that move than the other two. I think uh, Lynn would be the more likely. Do you think they would get rid of him yeah. instead? Yeah. Lynn hasn't played a ton this year. Man, his defense is so good when he does I, play. Hey, listen, I love the way Lynn. Yeah. But, I don't know. We'll um, Ch- Chatham is just... The thing about Chatham, though, is he's just not super interesting like i i just don't want people to get the wrong impression that as a second round pick um that he's gonna come up and be like oh, a regular sure. um uh, that's not really his role i think he could be a regular i've come around on chatham over the last like six nine months ish um i've kind of gone from always focusing on what he can't do to kind of appreciating what he can do and I definitely don't think he's like an all-star or anything like that. I think more likely is that he's a good bench player. But man, his hit tool is not is no joke. I mean, I think I think it's a little underrated um, by some people. I mean, I, th- I think it's at least I don't know, not that I'm a scout or anything, but like a fifty-fifty-five, um, and it, he plays very good defense. They're playing him in left field, which is bizarre to me. They're also playing Josh Ockamy in left field, which just gave me flashbacks to Adrian Gonzalez in right field. But um, I I like Chatham. I think he's... I would like to see him sooner than later, because I just... I want to see what he is. He's on the 40-man. Um, you were talking about Groom getting old. Chatham's getting close to 26 at yeah. this point. So I'd like to see him sooner than later, but like I said, it, I haven't really... Nobody's really said anything about him. It feels like he's not even on the radar. Yeah, it's interesting that you say the the hit tool, though. Because, you know, looking at the Sox prospects report on his hit tool, it says potential fringe average hit tool. Um, and then Fangraphs guys had him current 35, future 45. So I wonder if some of that is just not that he can't make contact and put the ball in play, but that, like, the bat kind of gets knocked out of his hands by good pitching. 
Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I've just seen him on good days, and clearly, yeah, everybody that you've mentioned knows a lot more about this stuff than me. And I would certainly go to them before I would go to me. But I've been, I've been impressed by some of the, by some of the contact I've seen from him. He mm. reminds me of sort of, he is the kind of guy that I think we miss on the most. Hmm. These guys that just don't have loud power, but they have loud singles contact for mm-hmm. lack of a better ability to articulate what I'm trying to say. Um, I just, I think he can get a lot of singles and I think he has enough athleticism and Fenway Park is weird enough that that can turn into a decent amount of doubles where he can be sort of that 95 to 100 WRC plus with good defense and probably not a guy you want to start, but a guy that if he is starting and he's like your nine hitter, you're not like just losing your mind over it yeah he might not be a rally killer yeah i mean he's a guy that will turn the lineup around sometimes and that's yes. i mean you as much as we would like to have all-stars at every position you can live with that but like i said i think it's more likely that he's a i think he's going to be a very good bench player yeah i agree and i, I think that's time. safely in his future i'd be surprised if he didn't break camp with a bench spot next year uh yeah Probably. I think Arouse probably goes down next year, I would think. That's what I think, too. I think they'll bring up Chatham and let Arouse continue to develop. If there is a planet Earth next year, which is no guarantee. (laughs) Let's see what happens on that front. Taking me down, man. (laughs) Welcome to my life. Um, I shouldn't say that. I'm doing all right. Um, So we are going to get out of here with a few questions. Um, we are going to start with Dakota Lovins. I wonder if that's his real last name. Or her last name, Dakota could be. Uh, what do you make of the encouraging early season results like Arouse and Valdez? Uh, do you think they're the real deal? Um, we talked about Arouse, so I won't really touch on him, but I've really been impressed with Phillips Valdez. He continues to do it outing after outing. Um, fastball change-up mix really works well for him, so... Uh, and I think the other pitch that he throws, if I'm not mistaken, is a cutter. Um, but I like him, and you know I don't I don't think he's a late inning guy, but I think he's a fine middle reliever and in a, a good find by the organization. Yeah, I mean I think it totally depends on what your definition of the real deal is. Um, if you're talking about like a guy that people are going to be wearing their jerseys in the stands, then no. But I mean I think both of them can be on the major league roster for a couple years and then when they're out of options i don't know that's kind of the guys i make from them which is fine it's better than most guys better than most guys on this roster for sure uh smoky rains what pitcher as of now would you actually bring back for the 2021 season i think that's a really interesting question um so guys who are currently like playing right now yeah so i wouldn't include Rodriguez, Sale, Hernandez, or Taylor. Okay, so an interesting thing, and I guess I want to get your take on this, Matt. Um, Keaton and I were talking about how well Ivaldi and Perez have pitched. Like Ivaldi's been pretty consistent from the beginning of the year, and Martin Perez, as you wrote about with the weak contact, has been pretty good over the last like two or three starts. I'm kind of thinking that. I would rather keep those two guys than trade them at this point Um, because next year when you have Chris Sale and Eduardo Rodriguez back, those two, plus if you went out and signed an arm, like let's just say they signed a Trevor Bauer or somebody less than Trevor Bauer, but like a good major league piece, all of a sudden that rotation is pretty damn respectable. Um, So out of the rotation, like I'm definitely bringing back Evaldi and Perez. I totally disagree. Somebody oh, wow. wants Perez. Somebody's reading into Perez's ERA. I mean, I did write about the weak contact, and I think there's some merit to it. But um, he has 11 strikeouts and nine walks and 15 and two thirds. I don't. I just don't. I don't think I will ever buy into Martin Perez. And that maybe it's a blind spot for me. But if he still has like a three four ERA in a couple of weeks, and the trade deadline comes along, and somebody's giving you anything interesting for him. I'm pulling the trigger. I'm not. I, I can see the merit to bringing him back, but I'm certainly not prioritizing him. I can find another Martin Perez if I need to. 
Oh, I, I agree that you can totally find another Martin Perez. It's not that he is uh, irreplaceable. I just don't think that what you're going to get for Martin Perez or for Eovaldi is going to move the needle enough. Like, I'd rather have Eovaldi than what I would expect the return for Eovaldi that I agree to be. Um, and the I same for Perez. For me. I, don't, I don't agree with Perez. I, don't, I still don't think Perez is very good. I've been fairly impressed with how the weak contact has worked out but I don't think it's going to continue to work like that. In the bullpen, though, um, out of the pitchers that they have up right now, the only ones I'm sure I would want to see back uh, are Marcus Walden. Um, I would explore trades for Matt Barnes, um, but bring him back if you can't trade him. And I would be totally comfortable with the Red Sox re-signing Brandon Workman because I don't think he's going to make a ton of money. Yeah, the Workman thing I'm not – I would need to think about a little more because I just don't know what he's going to get. But I like him as a pitcher. Obviously, I like Matt Barnes. Um, but also would not be against looking at a trade. I don't know what they would get, if it would be worth it. Um, so those are guys I would think about bringing back. Um, I know you're not a Austin Bryce fan. I've said I'm sort of coming around on him. I still can't figure out if I like him or not. Um, I definitely don't like his physically watching him throw. It's so throwing ugly. motion makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, um, but I think he's okay. Um, I am sort of a Colton Brewer guy, um, so I wouldn't mind bringing him back. Same with Walden, but none of these guys are also like, um, like putting my foot down that they need to be on the roster. I've been most impressed with the new guys uh, by Phillips Valdez, for sure. Yeah, Valdez, too. But again, another guy um, that's... I wouldn't be mad if they kept them, but also if they didn't, like, roll with them. Yeah, they're definitely going to keep some of these guys. There's no way you can rebuild you your whole pen. Yeah, they're not rebuilding this whole, this whole <laughs> bullpen as much as they may want to, as much as Heim Bloom might be salivating over that idea. I think uh, Hembry's a free agent, though, right? I don't think so. Way. I don't think I think the CBA um, mandates that Keith Hembry is never a free agent because he has <laughs> been in the majors for fourteen years, and he's oh, never. That's my hell. Uh, uh, no, he has one more. He has RBA. one more year. It's um, but yeah. next year we're gonna look at it and I'll say he has one more year after that. It's just the way it works. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's a real blind spot by the Players Association. There. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, Eduardo Barrera asks, is Renneke going to get replaced? What are they waiting for? Well, in a 60-game season, you're not replacing your manager. Uh, so they're waiting for the offseason. Can, yes. can you fire your manager? In a 60-game season? Well, with all like the COVID protocols, because you can't call up um, players that aren't in your player pool. Like You can't. They I think you'd have to give. Site. Do you have to call up a coach from the alternate site? I think you'd have to give the gig to the bench coach. Yeah. Uh, for like two weeks until the other guy quarantined. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we've talked about Renicky before. Renicky's probably not sticking around after, until after the season. But as frustrating as he's been, uh, nobody's getting fired after sixteen games. It's just, you're going to make yourself crazy if you're expecting that. So unless there's like an outright revolt in a clubhouse, nobody's getting fired, even within 60 games. It's just not the way yeah. it works. No, not going to happen. Uh, Luke LaPointe asks, can you guys pitch? Did you pitch growing up? No, no, I never pitched growing up. My brothers both pitched, but I was, uh, I actually didn't really play baseball. I quit Little League like wicked early, and I was a... Uh, hockey player for the majority of my life i did play baseball but i saw bryce flory get hit in the eye when i was like nine years old eight years old and i watched him bleed from his eyeball from a line drive hitting him in the face and from that moment forward i never stepped on a pitcher's mound yeah my brother had facial reconstruction surgery uh he had a plate put in right below his eye because he had uh, three bones in his face fractured by yeah. a pitch. Pitching is underratedly terrifying. I don't know how anybody does it, especially in the majors when guys are hitting like 115 mile an hour line drives. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. But he's got titanium in his face now, so you know. Can't walk through a metal detector though. That's tough. Yeah. 
Uh, Derek Thorne asks, what is your favorite team and why is it now the Dodgers? Um, to spin this question into a different direction, uh, other than the Red Sox, who's your favorite team to watch right now? Um, well, the Red Sox probably aren't your favorite team to watch right now. But, you know. No. Um, <laughs> I, I, for me, it's, it's the Nationals, just because I, uh, I lived in D.C. for so long. I lived there almost eight years, and I used to go to Nats Park a lot. Um, because it's cheap compared to Fenway, and I can get a ticket whenever. So I've been a huge Juan Soto guy from the jump. So any uh, opportunity I have to watch Juan Soto play baseball, that's that's good by me. Yeah, um, I really like the Padres. They're very fun. Also, they've done it solo. But right now, um, give me every Twins game. That oh, I love watching the Twins. Oh, their offense is bananas. Also, the Padres are ridiculously watchable with Tatis. Yeah, the only problem with the Padres is I'm like I, I'm tired. Yeah, I can't I can't stay up for that. Yeah, it's, but uh, I mean, if they're on at a reasonable hour, if it's a day game or something, absolutely. But also the Twins. I mean, Nelson Cruz. I love Eddie Rosario for some reason. I don't know. I've always been a big Eddie Rosario guy, so I kind of feel vindicated by him. Max Kepler, Byron Buxton still isn't really doing a ton, but he's been playing all right, and he's still extremely exciting. So the Twins are very, very fun. Grand Slam last night for your boy Rosario. Yeah, ah, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Colton Bartlett asks, what individual player storylines are you most interested in and how that impacts the next couple of years? So Benny re- uh, Regression, JD Opt-Out, who gets traded, etc. So pick one. Um, I'm going to go with Devers signing an extension. I think that that's the, the big domino for the Red Sox future is whether or not they can kind of keep their next really top end talent guy here. And I think that he's a really good candidate for that. His relationship with Bogarts makes me think that he wants to be here too. So I think that they'll get a high money, uh, extension done with him this off season. I hope so. Um, I'm going to go with how Eduardo Rodriguez comes back. Mm. Um, I'm interested in that, obviously, on a personal level, because I very much hope he comes back healthy and is able to do what he was, what he used to do, and it's also obviously very important for the Red Sox. So, I mean, obviously, a heart condition like that is no joke, and, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know any of this, but it seems like there is a possibility that this is going to affect his stamina for a very long time and I don't know there might be a non-zero chance that he can't start anymore at the very least so uh, I think that is definitely something to watch for both personally for Rodriguez and for the Red Sox over the next couple years because Rodriguez is a big part of their plans whether it's as a trade piece or as um, a long term piece in the rotation (laughs) Yeah, and it stinks for him too. It's just it's a horrible really, situation. Yeah, it's really bad. I hope I hope everything works out for him and yeah. he's able to be healthy for spring training next year and it's like, just be healthy for life. It's like tangentially uh shutting down college football. <laughs> Is that yeah. condition that uh, he has that I can't remember the name of. Um, my my cart Mycardosis or something like that. That's why I said I didn't remember the name. I knew what yeah. it sounded like, but I didn't want to do what you just did. Um, yeah, they uh, college football conferences are pointing as that at that as the reason they're shutting down. So very very scary. And obviously, we hope everything ends up well there. Uh, Timothy Campbell asked, "Worst move you think the Red Sox could make before the deadline?" So I'm gonna say like, don't say like trading Devers or anything. Anything that realistically could be on the table, what do you not want to see? Hmm. I don't want to see them dump Ivaldi for nothing. Like, uh, let me just rephrase that. I don't want them to dump Ivaldi for the sake of getting rid of his money. If they're going to trade him, I want them to trade him for, like, a top 100 prospect. I think that is... I was thinking along those lines. I would also say um, I, I do not want to see them trade um, Jaron Duran or Tristan Casas. No, um, If yeah. they are, like, within, like, a game of, like, that eighth playoff spot. Um, 
unless it's like for a controllable star, which I just don't think is going to be available. So I, I just I don't want to see them do anything stupid with those two guys specifically, just because I like both of them a lot. Yeah, I, I would say just going off the Casas thing, Casas and Downs to me are untouchable, uh, in unless it's like a very big name player. Yeah, I am. Um, untouchable is kind of a big word, but yeah, I would not. I certainly, I certainly would not anticipate there being a player available this summer that I would like to see them traded for. Yeah, because you're not you're not the. Uh... You're not like in the position where trading Gleber Torres, if you were the Cubs, like puts you over to win the World Series. Like, yeah, for sure. They're gonna get bounced in the first couple yeah, they, rounds. Yeah, if they make the playoffs. They so they'll it. be lucky to make it out of that best of three for sure. Right. Um, and the last question is from Rich. Uh, this one is for me. I just want to put this out there because I get this question a lot. Uh, Rich wants to know how to join the site as a writer. Uh, if you do want to join the site as a writer, first of all, unfortunately, we do not have any positions right now. Um, the pandemic kind of messed with our budget a little bit, but we do have spots that open up semi-frequently. So uh, my email address is mrcollins18 at gmail.com. Um, that does not stand for Mr. Collins. I was not thinking when I made that email. My middle name is Ryan, and I have to live with that for the rest of my life. But no, it is not <laughs> Mr. Collins. Uh, but <laughs> that, that drives me insane. Everybody says that when I get it on my email address. Um, and it is totally my fault. But, uh, yeah, so just send me an email there, um, and I will at least have your name there. I have a folder with people who have reached out to me. So if there is openings, I can reach out to you. So that is how you do that. And that is a good segue to talk about OverTheMonster.com, which is where I write, it's where Jake writes, it is where everybody in this podcast writes. Um, we are writing stuff. Like I said, I wrote about Jose Peraza. I kind of took the weekend off. That was on me. Um, but we are going strong. So I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to say. Just that I never um, put together that your uh, email address was Mr. Collins until right now because I knew... Um, I guess from knowing you for so many years that your middle name was Ryan. So um, I filled in that blank mentally, but now I can't unsee it's, uh, Mr. Collins. It's, it's something like it's something I have to live with. It is seriously like I really hate when something happens, like a person in a face-to-face for whatever reason, <laughs> like if I'm at a store or whatever it may be, if I have to write down my email address for somebody, I like cringe, but I can't change it. It's too late. That is my email address. Have to live with this. The best thing about this for the listeners is that Matt's personality is such that that would be the last thing that he would want to ever be called. This Mr. Call. Oh, it, it drives me. It drives me. My girlfriend, because she knows that this is a thing that bothers me with my email, so she calls me Mr. Collins sometimes, just to annoy me. It is. It seriously like makes me want to just hide under the covers and not look anybody in the eyes. It, I hate it so much. <laughs> Well, I'm really happy we uncovered that yeah. personally. So yeah. this, this is a bit, this is a bad. I don't even know why I brought that up. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, I think that means we have to get out of here. Um, yep. So before we do, uh, the Twitter handle is Jake is at Def Jake. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Um, anything else? No. It's a wrap. All right. We will see you guys next week. Bye.